It's time for the Car Doctor on AM 950 WROL. Got a car question? Call us at 617-770-3030. That's 617-770-3030. Now, here's the car doctor, John Paul, on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. Good Saturday morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Car Doctor Program on AM 950 WROL, the Spirit of Boston. My name is John Paul, the Car Doctor, here to help you with your car problems on this Father's Day weekend. Big car show down in Hyannis this weekend, I think, too. It's usually Father's Day weekend. I'll probably not go to that one either. Just like I won't go. Just like I won't go to the one at uh, the Endicott Estate. I keep saying I'm going to go. Uh, you never know. Might go to both. This might be the year. This might be the year I go to every car show there is. I have to start off with the one in Foxborough with the uh, the Bass Pro outlets, but uh, it's uh, it looks like it's going to be a great weekend for everybody and uh, a lot of things going on. Uh, we have a couple things going on. Uh, big news down at Mohegan Sun is the Barrett Jackson auction is coming to town next Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And I was talking to people at work, uh, the guy who does our uh, automotive training. For our con- for our contractors and fleet employees, he's going. His wife bought him tickets for his birthday. Uh, our uh, head uh, IT guy Ernie, he's going. Uh, Mark Shaw, the president of AAA, is going. Uh, so far, no one has bought a bidding ticket yet. So far, all all anybody has done is they've uh, they've um, got their got their spaces and you know got their tickets to go. And the other thing is, apparently, every hotel within about a 20-mile radius of Mohegan is sold out. Uh, the hotel at Mohegan, I guess, was sold out back in February when they first announced this was going to happen. So this is a big deal. So there's a lot going on with that. Uh, a little bit later in the program, we have a phone interview we did with um, with Craig Jackson of Barrett-Jackson Auctions. And uh, so we're going to be playing that in a little bit. So we have that coming up. We're also going to be talking about the Volkswagen Golf Sport Wagon. Uh, replaces the Jetta Sport Wagon and uh, powered by a 1.8 liter turbocharged engine. We'll talk about that. And we'll talk about a couple of the highlights at the Barrett-Jackson auction coming up. So a few things to talk about. But first, um, you know, you think about diesels and the Volkswagen uh, Jetta was... Uh, a great diesel until everybody found out Volkswagen was cheating. And then they said, now what? And uh, I had the opportunity and to uh, meet at one point and uh, talk about diesels with a group of people. But with us on the phone is Alan Schaefer. He's the executive director of the Diesel Technology Forum. And, uh, you know, with all the news about the Volkswagen em- emissions cheating scandal... Are diesel engines still a viable alternative with customers? Well, John, diesel is, is still a good choice, um, not not in, just in the past tense there, but uh, we think it's a, still a viable recommendation for the future. And no question that uh, the Volkswagen situation has raised some, some, uh, some doubts about uh, diesel technology for some people, but um, 
you know, the benefits and the inherent aspects of the technology are, are really still the same as they were before. You know, 30% better fuel economy than gasoline, no sacrifice vehicle size, performance, long range of driving. Uh, so it really still has all the same features that, that folks are, are looking for in fuel-efficient vehicles today, and we think it's going to stack right up there in the shopping list with things like hybrids and, and even plug-in hybrids for some people. Uh, years ago, you said, you know, in the last 30 years, years ago, I remember, you know, diesel engines were smoky, they were smelly, they were they were poor performers. Uh, over the past uh, couple of decades, that's really changed, right? Well, it really has, and the new technology is uh, is incredibly clean, and, and not only clean, but efficient. So we've got uh, near zero emissions now um, after a decade of investment, and the new diesel cars have some of the most advanced emissions control systems uh, available today. And because of that, that positions them to really be a, not only a, a, a clean choice, but also a, a, a green choice for for people that are thinking about, you know, their carbon footprint and that sort of thing. And some even want to think about burning blends of biodiesel in their in their diesel cars, which is another choice they can make. So um, I think it's, it's got a lot of appeal for uh, for people, and especially those that uh, that do a lot of driving. You mentioned hybrids. Uh, you know, diesel hybrids we've seen in other parts of the world. Uh, is it just the idea that it combines two expensive technologies together that doesn't make it popular? You're exactly right. And, you know, it's really a, a manufacturer's calculus in terms of the cost of, of these different technologies. And uh, gasoline is getting more expensive, so, um, you know, there's going to be a closing of the gap there as uh, as we move into the next kind of generation of, of vehicles. But I'm not sure that we'll, we'll see a, necessarily see a hybrid diesel anytime in the next couple of years. And some of that is because of cost, but I think also just the, the practical nature of it, that there's there's so many different technologies floating around now that I think folks are still wanting to kind of sort out which ones are going to be here five or ten years from now. Mm. You mentioned the price of, of gasoline and, and diesel fuel. For a while there, it seemed like uh, diesel was uh, higher than premium fuel, even by 20 or 30 cents. Now we're seeing diesel prices starting to sort of settle down around the price of regular unleaded, at least here in the Northeast. Uh, is is that going to help with the growth of diesel vehicles? Absolutely. And the fuel issue has been one that's been um, a question mark for the last couple of years for consumers thinking about a diesel car. But the, I think the good news now is that, uh, as you suggest, we've got very close to, to price parity. I looked this morning, and the national average for gasoline is two thirty nine a gallon, and, and diesel is two forty three, and it might be a little less uh, up in uh, in your neck of the woods. Um, but this gap is closing, and um, that that is uh, important because when you look at the total cost of ownership of a diesel car versus other technologies, you want to factor in all those things, including fuel, resale value, and uh, and other things. So keeping fuel at a very close level to gasoline is uh, is, is going to be great for helping the market to, to recover here from this uh, the last couple of month period and uh, is, is really good for the future. There was a time where you looked at a diesel car, especially something like a, a Volkswagen, and you could say... Well, you're going to pay a couple thousand dollars more for it. You're going to save. You're going to save that in gas, but in, f- in fuel costs. But in five years, the trade-in value is going to be that much better with the diesel versus the gasoline engine. Has what happened with Volkswagen hurt any of the other diesel manufacturers as far as trade-in values go? 
Uh, I don't know about the trade-in value question. I would say that from a sales perspective, what we've looked at in the last couple months, if if you take out, and and so the picture is this, that all fuel-efficient vehicles sales are down in the last six or eight months, mm-hmm. and that's because fuel prices are low. If you take the Volkswagen vehicles out of the equation, um, diesels are actually down less overall than hybrids uh, for last month that I looked at. So diesels are only down by about 9.5%, and hybrids are down like by 10.5%. So um, that suggests to us that consumers um, recognize that you know this is an issue with one manufacturer, and there, there are other diesel choices out there, and they're going to give them a fair shake. So at least on the, on the new side, it looks like consumers still have uh, diesel on their shopping list. As for the resale value, I think, you know, there's going to be a lot of looking at that in the next couple of years and, and just kind of see how that shakes out for, for, for Volkswagen at least. But for, for everybody else, I don't think anything has changed there. The, mm. the technology still has inherent, uh, inherent long-term value. And for people who have never driven a diesel, my wife actually got in a uh, test car I was driving that was a diesel to go pick me up, and she drove it about 25 miles to to pick me up at a, at a different car dealership, actually, and I when she pulled in, I said to her, do you realize this was a diesel? And she said, no, not at all. So the whole idea that, that you know, smo- slow, smoky, smelly, noisy diesel, it really doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, it's, it's um, you know, that's, a, that's definitely a past generation. And I think that the, the new diesels, uh, everything that people didn't like about mm. diesels in the past, including noise and smoke and those things, are, are now gone. And it, diesel has kept the things that everybody does like, which is efficiency. Um, great performance and utility with the vehicle. You can get small cars, SUVs. And I think as we look towards the future, we anticipate there to be many more um, options for consumers available, particularly in the larger vehicle crossover and light truck uh, light truck area. It, it certainly makes sense with the efficiency of a diesel. Um, you know, and I'm not, I know you're not here to talk about Volkswagens, but is the Volkswagen issue as bad as people think it is when it comes to air pollution uh i look at it and i'm looking uh, i'm looking at well oxides and nitrogen nox emissions and you know at first people you know made it sound like it was horrendous and i don't you know my feeling is it wasn't as bad as you know people were making out to be well you if you do look at the uh you know the total potential emissions impact and i say potential Potential, because we don't really know um what what the circumstances are maybe that will come out in the future but um it it is very minuscule in the scheme of things and for those that are um, interested in environmental and emissions policy the the largest driver of of issues relative to diesel in the u.s is the heavy-duty commercial truck side so when you look at the emissions pie charts, um, those are the ones that um, are the primary source of, of emissions relative to diesel. The, the diesel passenger car sliver is really just a sliver, and that's that's the, that's all the vehicles. Yeah. So Volkswagen is just a teeny piece of that sliver, and if it was more than people might have expected, it's still relatively going to be a, a small amount. Um, Where do we rank with the rest of the world as far as diesel uh, light vehicle and uh, or light truck and car use? Well, um, you know, the U.S. has been kind of hovering around the 3% of all vehicles uh, for diesel 
uh, for over a decade, really. And and a good portion of that has been the heavy-duty pickup trucks, mm-hmm. the, the Fords, the General Motors, and the Dodge Ram, um, larger diesel pickup trucks, because that was the only diesel choice you had at the time. And the passenger car sector was, <clears throat> excuse me, a little a small choice of that, about 1% of the 3%. <clears throat> So um, what we project going forward because of the new fuel economy requirements as well as um, some of the other factors um, that we think the market's going to be able to double in the next mm-hmm. five years or so. It's it's obviously in a little bit of a trough situation because Volkswagen has so many models on the market and those have not been available for the last uh, eight months or so. Mm-hmm. As that comes back, you know, that's going to, to bring more interest back, I think, into the more choices for consumers. So you look at 3% and you can easily see 6 if not uh, 8 9% in the next, you know, decade or so. And this is really um, important for manufacturers because as these efficiency standards increase, um, there gets to be a lot of trade-offs. So, you know, we talk about ve- we've already talked about engine downsizing and that's happening with quite regularity now. But um, to maintain the kind of choice you want for vehicles, you know, larger SUVs, crossovers, and light pickup trucks, which are, you know, hugely popular, you need to have a powertrain in there that can, you know, guarantee the performance and meet the efficiency requirements. Mm-hmm. And that's why diesel starts to look increasingly interesting, and we're going to see more of them. Are diesels as clean as gasoline engines? Uh, they meet the same EPA requirements, so there's no, uh, diesel doesn't mm-hmm. get any, uh, any, um, you know, sort of free ride in terms of having to meet less stringent emission standards. On an absolute basis, um, diesels uh, might be a little bit higher in in emissions of nitrogen oxide, for example, Mm -hmm. still within the EPA standards. But the flip side of that is, and and many people don't know this, um, diesels are actually lower in emissions of things like particulates than some other gasoline vehicles, like gasoline direct-injected cars. Mm. So the diesel could actually be better in some aspects of emissions performance than some gasoline. Well, I think I think diesels certainly have a real use in, in the market. And like I said, I think as a automotive journalist, it's pretty easy. It was always pretty easy to recommend uh, a diesel car, whether it was a, a Jetta or a BMW. And if you could match that up with a stick shift, even better. Uh, it became a really <laughs> fun car to drive. Uh, where can uh, my listeners get more information about uh, diesels and the diesel technology forum? Sure. We have a website that has uh, all the latest models available as well as what has been announced for the future, and um, and and that's kept very much up to date, and that's www.dieselforum.org. And um, check us out, and uh, we've got a lot of information there about the benefits of diesel cars and more information about emissions and, and fuels, etc. Alan, thank you for taking some time out of your Saturday morning and joining us up here in Boston. Have a great rest of the weekend. Great. Thanks very much, John. You too. Well, why don't we take a break and pay some bills? My name's John Paul. This is a Car Doctor program. You're listening on AM 950 WROL, The Spirit of Boston. W-R-O-L Boston.
This is an important notice to anyone owing the IRS back taxes and cannot afford to pay them back. In order to aid American taxpayers during the decline in the U.S. economy, settling delinquent tax problems is now being made easier by the IRS. As of today, you could be one of the millions of taxpayers that now may qualify to settle your delinquent tax problem, ensuring your financial stability and potentially save you thousands of dollars. Your circumstances may qualify you for many special hardship programs, which include having all collection efforts against you stopped and having a large portion or all of your debt canceled. If you're under pressure from the IRS and need help, settling your tax problem has never been easier. Each taxpayer has a limited time they can qualify for relief, so you must act now. For this free information and to see if you qualify, call Victory Tax Solutions at 800-352-4757. 800-352-4757. That's 800-352-4757. Do you dread the car buying experience? Would you like to save time, money, eliminate stress, and positively know you got the best deal possible? Welcome to the ultimate buyer experience from the professionals at the Car Consultancy. With over 20 years of car buying know-how, Ira and his team will create a great car buying experience for you by negotiating and handling all of the details from start to finish. For more information, go to thecarconsultancy.com or call 800 That's 800-280-3517. For the perfect family entertainment on a summer Sunday afternoon, there's nothing better than whistling your way down I-95 to Pawtucket to see the Paw Sox play. But on Sunday, June 26th, the whistling might sound like this. Since 2010, Tenon Tours has partnered with the Paw Sox to host the official Irish Day. Irish Day with the Paw Sox at McCoy. Sunday, June 26, you could be the lucky winner of a trip for two to Ireland. Game Times 105, the Paw Sox host the Scranton Wilkesbury Rail Riders. For the Irish music, Irish dancing pregame on Maunder Way. WROL broadcast live with Johnny Costello and Seamus Mulligan. And during the seventh inning stretch, someone will win a trip to Ireland, courtesy of Tenon Tours. It's one of the best baseball days of the year at McCoy Irish Day, Sunday, June 26th. You can find out more and learn how you can register to win that trip to Ireland from Tenant Tours at pawsocks.com. You're listening to The Car Doctor. And welcome back to the Car Doctor Program on AM 950 WROL, the Spirit of Boston. Or you might be listening Sunday night on AM 1260 WBIX, where we're there from uh, 9 to 10 on Sunday night. So you can listen to past programs there as well. You can find us on iTunes and soon on Google Play, uh, where my podcast should be listed soon, I would hope. And uh, you can find uh, most of them on my podcast site, which is johnatpaul.podomatic.com. You can always email me at jpaul at aaa northeast. You need to spell it the word northeast.com. Follow me on Facebook at uh, Mr. John at Paul at Facebook or Twitter. It's at John at Paul. You can find me there. And, of course, pick up the globe today. And read Nicole Wakeland's story about the new Fiat 124 convertible. Uh, looks like a nice car. And um, 
I hope the folks from uh, Fiat Chrysler are going to bring some to our annual New England Motor Press convertible event, because that would be good to see. Um, we always enjoy that event, and we always enjoy spending time with the car company folks. Well, I want to talk about the car that got me here today, and that is the uh, Volkswagen Golf Sport Wagon. Small station wagons have mostly been replaced by compact SUVs, but if you are one of those people who still wants a small wagon, your choices are a bit limited. One wagon that's certainly worth looking at is the Volkswagen Golf Sport Wagon. The Golf Sport Wagon replaces the Jetta Sport Wagon. At 179.6 inches long and 70.8 inches wide, the Golf Sport Wagon is larger than the previous Jetta Sport Wagon, although the overall height is a little bit reduced. These changes uh, improve the aerodynamics and fuel efficiently, efficiency. Well, given the car kind of a sportier look, uh, some other new features are a rear-view camera now comes standard on all models. An optional technology package includes adaptive cruise control, forward collision warning, autonomous emergency braking, front assist, lane departure warning, lane assist, blind spot monitor, rear traffic alert, and parking steering assistant, which they call park assist. The small wagon is powered by a 170-horsepower, 1.8-liter turbocharged engine that's paired with a manual transmission, or in the case of our test model, a manual shift automatic. That's the dry-clutch style that most Volkswagens are using now. On the road, um, the sport wagon is a typical Volkswagen with a combination of a comfortable ride and secure handling. The engine provides smooth power, but not a hot rod, but certainly enough performance to merge onto... uh, Busy highways, pass a slow-moving truck, and just make driving sort of fun. The six-speed automatic transmission shifts crisply, and with the paddle shifters, adds a sporty feel. The brakes are firm and powerful, very easy to modulate. Out on the open road, this Volkswagen is quiet with little wind or road noise. Our test vehicle had a large moonroof, which added to the overall airiness of the cabin. The rear seat's comfortable for two, and I suppose could fit three, although they would need to be size-appropriate. Uh, The cargo area is quite roomy and greatly expands by folding the rear seats. With the rear seats up, the sport wagon boasts uh, 30.4 cubic feet of space. With the 60-40 split rear seat fully folded, the figure rises to an SUV like 66 cubic feet of cargo storage. That's a lot of storage in a small wagon. The split folding rear seats are accessed by release levers in the cargo area, making the rear seats... uh, much more convenient to fold down. There's also a pass-through for longer items such as skis, or in the case of right now, a 1x6x8 plastic board. Uh, All the controls are simply used, and anyone who's been in a Volkswagen in recent years will feel right at home. The bottom line is uh, that although there there are a few other small wagons, there are none at this price that blends fuel economy, handling, ride, and overall fit and finish. What can I tell you about it? Well, it can seat five. It uses regular 87 octane. It does have a spare tire. It's compact spare. You would shop it against something like a Subaru Impreza. It starts at about $21,000, $22,000. But a good little wagon and a nice alternative to a small subcompact SUV. And, uh, you know, for people who just are negative about SUVs. And when we were talking with Alan a few minutes ago, uh, we are you know, this car is dying to get a diesel back in it. It's such, you know, it would be such a good combination. The mileage, uh, EPA mileage on this is um, high 20s, low 30s, but with reasonable driving, driving from uh, 
Providence, where the AAA office is, to home, I looked down, and according to the digital readout for fuel economy, I was getting just over 40 miles per gallon. Pretty good for a gasoline engine. Uh, my wife's Volkswagen, which has the same engine in it, only once did I hit that, although her, the EPA fuel economy is a little bit less, I think 32 on the highway. So just uh, something something to think about. If you're looking for a small wagon, it's a, it's a good alternative. Well, Barrett-Jackson has a variety of cars for sale. Um, one is a fully documented 69 Chevrolet Corvette L88. It's lot number 688 with factory paperwork. Highlights the uh, selection of General Motors vehicles crossing the block. Uh, also, there's a 69 Chevrolet Camaro Z28 RS Cross Ram and a 69 Chevrolet Camaro uh, Custom Coupe. And uh, according to Pontiac Historic Services, a 1969 Pontiac GTO is also up for auction. And it's one of only 14 built with Ram Air uh, 4 um, V8 engine and equipped with a 3-speed turbo hydromatic transmission, so a 3-speed automatic Barrett-Jackson, the world's greatest collector car auctions, their registered trademark will feature exceptional GM diversity. There looks like a lot of good things, and there's it's not just GM either. GM's got a lot of cars there, but also there's a, um, I believe, a prototype uh, 4GT that's going to be up there. There's uh, there's what they call sort of the entry-level cars will be there. This is a big deal. This is um, uh, a big event. I was uh, kind of emailing back and forth with Wayne Carini from Chasing Classic Cars a week or so ago. He has three cars there, so he'll be there. Um, I don't know what other celebrities will be there, but this is going to be a big event. And this is the first time they were ever there. And this event was actually um, a local Northeast car dealer talked to uh, Mr. Jackson and said, Hey, we need to we need to do an auction up here. I think you'll get good interest. And so far, it seems like every time I turn around, there's somebody that has uh, that has an interest in going. In fact, one of our truck drivers at work, our delivery truck driver, uh, John Boyardi, him and his son are going. He wants to take his son, and uh, which is kind of which is really kind of a neat thing. He wants to bring him for one day, and he wants to go back for another day. So, um, a lot of fun things there. But we did a telephone interview this week with um, uh, with the folks at um, Barrett Jackson. And uh, it was it was just it, it, the quality. I will admit is not terrific, but you'll get the idea about what's going on because it it really adds to some excitement. So, Marita, if you can play that, that'd be great. With us on the phone is uh, Craig Jackson, Chairman and CEO of Barrett Jackson Auctions, and uh, big news coming to uh, uh, Mohegan Sun in Connecticut in just another weekend. Craig, uh, good morning, and welcome to the Car Doctor Show in here in Boston. Well, thank you. Yes, we're excited, and uh, I got to say, the whole area has really been embracing us. Ticket sales are going phenomenal. Uh, we are sold out on our consignments, and uh, I just think it's going to be a great new venue for us. And you have you have what really appears to be some really interesting cars. I was looking at the docket off the website, and uh, you have cars that. Uh, appeal to a pretty wide variety of ages, I would think, too. Well, that's part of our formula is we uh, we consider ourselves like a shopping uh, you know, store where you, you don't want to just stock one thing. You want to have something for everybody and uh, it, from price and variety. 
and Thursday will be more of the entry-level cars as we start up till Saturday prime time when we're on uh, Discovery Channel Live, and uh, we're selling, you know, Ferraris and Hemi Superbirds and the prototype Ford GT and, you know, the L88, all those, you know, feature cars. But it is a very diverse docket, micro cars, a little of everything. Yeah, I noticed you have everything from uh, from a golf cart, although a pretty hot-looking golf cart, I have to admit, to uh, some, some really exotic cars, including, I mean, if you can't get a DeLorean, you have a Brickland that's coming up, it looks like. Yep, and I have fond memories of those, getting locked in one and the battery went dead and I couldn't get out until somebody actually saw me. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I, don't know how, I don't know how fond a memory that is, but also I was looking at a, a lot of 60 muscles car, muscle cars and hot rods are kind of in the mix as well. You know, we tried to achieve a broad mix and uh, spending time back in the area. You know, we want to pull from uh, Long Island uh, that has a great history with the muscle cars and provide... Uh, Beautiful European uh, car convertibles for people that want to drive through uh, Connecticut and really appealing to the Greenwich area and just the whole Northeast. We see just a, a diversity in the kind of cars that they like, and that's what we're trying to supply. And one thing I noticed, which has kind of a soft spot in my heart, a lot of Volkswagens. Yes. One of them was one of Seinfeld's. Um, you know, we do very well with Volkswagens. I know, and there's a lot of sort of new things that are uh, collector's items, you know, like the Dodge Power Wagon. We sold a couple of those in Scottsdale for $170,000. And, uh, you know, car collecting isn't just about cars that don't have any utility. It's about cars that also have utility. And, you know, uh, pickup trucks and station wagons and uh, all sorts of things that people have fond memories of, that's what we sell. And Dave Brunel... You know, of Hemmings and everybody knew Dave and you know rest his soul he, he always said buy something you enjoy because if you plan on buying it just to make money eh, it doesn't always work that way and uh, we've been preaching that same thing for years I know Dave very well and whether the market goes up the market goes down unlike stocks if you love the car you love it I have some cars in my collection that uh, I bought in the 80's uh, and then, you know, they went up to a few million dollars, and uh, then they went back down again, and now they're back up again. And I didn't sell them at the peak before, and I didn't sell them, you know, in a panic. You know why? Because I love the cars. So that's yeah, why I buy them and own them. Yeah, absolutely. I, I heard uh, Jay Leno talking this morning on a, on a uh, television or radio show, and he, somebody asked him about his McLaren. He said, well, I bought it for $800,000. And it's worth about twelve million now, but I was I was happy with it when I bought it when I bought it and it, and it didn't go up and down. Absolutely, I bought a Ford GT when it was brand new, and unlike uh, a lot of people, I didn't just stick it in the garage and leave it in the wrapper. I drove the car, and I'm very glad I bought the car and I enjoy the car. And now, if you, now if you wanted to sell it, you could make money. Yes, but I bought it brand new and. Uh, I loved the car, and I loved it even when it re when when I first bought it. it probably went down fifteen thousand in value, and I still loved it as much. And I love it even more now. That it's probably worth three hundred thousand. Yeah, no, absolutely. And like many of your auctions, you also have uh, some Petroleana coming up. So for people that 
maybe don't have the room or the budget to go out and buy a car. And like you said, there are some certainly some entry-level cars. There are also some, some nice things to buy, everything from gas pump globes to signage to all kinds of things that really showed the early days of the automotive uh, uh, collector car hobby and industry, right? Yeah, and to decorate people's garages, you know, I was in a, um, a facility back in Long Island a couple of weeks ago where a gentleman graciously opened up his place for us, and uh, it was all decorated in neon signs and uh, all the automobilia. And uh, we start the auction every day with a couple, three hours of selling authentic automobilia all at no reserve, and uh, our curator does a fantastic job of finding the best Authentic, a lot of replicas out there. We sell authentic automobilia, and, and that you know, for the for the person that wants something that's that's authentic for their garage or their man room or their living room, for that matter, if you're going to buy it, you might as well you might as well buy the right piece. It certainly makes a lot of sense. How you know? How do people come to you with their cars? How do people you know decide Barrett Jackson is the place to go? Well, we've been in the business 45 years. Um, we uh, started the whole television phenomena uh, back in uh, 1996 uh, on our 20th year of being uh, with Speed Vision when it first launched and now with Velocity and Discovery. And, uh, you know, we have, a, I think, the best reputation in the industry. We get the, uh, the right amount of bidders coming because we predominantly sell most all of the cars at no reserve. Um, and we have a great team of automotive experts that help vet the cars and uh, and work with our uh, consignment team here, um, talking to the collectors. And uh, it's just something that's been growing and growing. And uh, we're honored that people trust selling their vehicles and automobilia through us. Yeah, it, it really it really makes sense in the television phenomena. That's done, that's done a couple things. That's really brought more attention to it. But also it seems like when the cameras are on, the bidding gets more exciting. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a little bit of, you know, if you got all the money in the world, what can you buy other than just things? You can buy experience, and you can have that passion. And car collecting is about that, and doing it on live television with all your friends watching just makes buying the car just that much more exciting. We have 18 hours of live television, uh, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, uh, between Velocity and Discovery. And uh, you can go to our website, barrett-jackson.com, and look up all the TV times. They can also look for, they want to buy tickets, and also look at all the great cars and the automobilia that we'll be selling. And not just cars, motorcycles as well. I saw some pretty hot motorcycles. Yeah, we sell a little bit of everything. You know, we've sold boats and antique airplanes, although we don't have any antique airplanes in this auction, but we've sold all sorts of stuff. If it's, if it fits that nostalgia, we'll sell it. We sold a Ford tri-motor airplane a few years ago. So we wow. sell a little of everything. Yeah. Now, is this, the, is this the first time you've been to the Northeast? Yes, we've been to Florida going on our 14th year, and this is the first time to the Northeast, and it was one of my great customers that suggested Mohegan Sun. Um, and uh, the venue works great for us. I think it pulls from a, a lot of different areas, and it's just a fantastic venue. Yeah, it should be great. And I don't know if the customer was the person I'm thinking of, but I was talking to Wayne Carini last week, and I think he's got three cars for sale. 
He does. Actually, the customer that recommended it was uh, Stalupi, who has a lot of dealerships on Long Island. And yep. uh, I was looking at Long Island, and he was helping me. And we kept, yeah, this one's this one's too far from hotels. This one, you know, doesn't have the right. And finally, he called me one night, and he goes, I got it. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> and uh, we flew there and looked at it, and he was absolutely correct. Yeah, no, I, I think it's a great venue. And, uh, and another big car dealer and collector, Herb Chambers, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, he's always in the market for for the next uh, new toy. So. You know, we're, we've got some great cars consigned by Rick Hendrick. Uh, yep. Uh, we've got uh, a couple of his Ferraris, one of them being his F12 Berlinetta. Uh, that's an animal, 730 horsepower V12, a seven-speed dual clutch transmission. Um you know, we've got great cars across the board. For those that like European cars, uh, 56 Porsche, 356A, a 66911, uh, one of the earliest cars built, uh, 89 uh, Slope Nose Cabriolet, factory 505 uh, option, and then muscle cars, Boss 429, uh, uh, 68 uh, KR convertible GT500 KR. Uh, 1970 Hemi Superbird. It goes on and on, and that you know probably one of the rarest cars we're selling is the 2004 Ford GT prototype. Uh, one of the very few prototypes to ever escape, and uh, it's uh, it's an honor to have this car. And we're also selling for Shelby uh, a prototype of the GTH this year, one of our charity cars. Uh, selling a prototype is. You know, one of those things you can. We saw a lot of VIN number ones for charity, but selling prototypes, getting those out from the factories, is uh, very tough. It sounds like an amazing auction, and even if you're maybe, well, sometimes you don't know you're in the market for a car until you see it. But for somebody just to go and spend the weekend at Mohegan Sun and be able to get get in there to get tickets, buy the tickets, buy the experience. Uh, is is a whole uh, mini vacation itself, right? It is. Um, if they're going to come, they need to plan their hotel rooms and that uh, now because uh, Mohegan Sun sold out, but there's still hotels in the area. Right. But, uh, it'll be a great show. People should come and enjoy it. Ticket sales, as I said earlier, are phenomenal. Yep. And uh, I think, you know, we feel so embraced by the Northeast, and a lot of our great customers are from this area, and they've always asked us to come do the show here, and uh, they've stepped up. Uh, Vince Amato's put in 29 cars, and uh, you know, just across the board. Uh, some absolutely fantastic cars. You know, it sounds like a fantastic event, and if people want more information, the... Uh the website address, uh, which has everything in cars, ticket sales, everything on there. What's that website address again? It's Barrett, B-A-R-R-E-T-T dash Jackson, J-A-C-K-S-O-N dot com. And everything's on there. Go look at the cars, the automobilia, the schedule of events is on there. If you want to register to bid, be our guest. We are sold out on consignments. We just printed the catalog. But come and enjoy it. And a good point before we let you go. Internet bids are possible, right? You can you yes. Can bid Proxy Bid is our internet partner. They can register. Uh, uh, come to our website, and uh, you can uh, register to internet bid. You can register to phone bid. Um, we have a lot of ways for you to interact with Barrett Jackson. We have some customers that come 
for the party, which kicks off the whole event. They'll look at all the cars. And they have busy schedules. Then they'll bid by phone, or they'll buy cars, uh, you know, one day, and they can't make it the next day. They'll internet bid or they'll phone bid. No, it sounds it sounds like a phenomenal event. Lots of cars, lots of excitement. Perfect venue. Uh, next weekend, it's going to run from uh, the twenty. Uh, 20- Third through the twenty fifth. Is that? I think I have the date close. Yes, that's the auction. Yep. If you're a registered yep. bidder, you get to come to the party uh, on Wednesday night, um, which is what we're known for. We really kick it off with a heck of a gala, and uh, then we lead right into automobile the next day, and then we start selling the cars. Sounds like a phenomenal event, Craig. Thanks for taking a little time out of your busy day. Uh, best of luck at the event, and uh, uh, bid high and bid often, right? <coughs> That's right. Last guy with his hand in the air wins. There you go. Thank you. Thank right, you. Take care. And that was Craig Jackson of uh, Barrett Jackson Auction. Uh, sorry about the phone quality. We had a little had a little issue when I was trying to pre-record that ahead of time. Uh, but uh, it's really a great event. Like you said, one of the real stars of that show is going to be that 2004 Ford GT prototype. And I got an email from the folks at Ford that just also wanted to remind me that this Saturday the Ford GT will make its long-awaited return to Le Mans, one of the world's most prestigious and oldest sports car races held annually near the town of Le Mans, France, or Le Mans. The 24-hour race uh, begins at 3 p.m. Eastern Time today. It will end at 3 p.m. on Sunday. It will air on Fox Sports. All eyes will be on the GT this weekend, uh, with this year being the 50th anniversary of Ford's famous 1-2-3 outright victory at Le Mans, the first time an American manufacturer won Le Mans. The uh, four Ford GTs race numbers 66, 67, 68, and 69, celebrating Ford Le Mans victories in 66, 67, 68, and 69, run by uh, Ford Chip Ganassi Racing are um, based on the new Ford GT supercar, the most advanced Ford production vehicle ever featuring the latest in lightweighting aerodynamics and the EcoBoost engine technology. Uh, it's an innovative showcase. It actually, I heard something that you talk about rolling computers. It runs something like a million lines of data continually while the car is operating. It's just incredible. It's just a, a just a phenomenal car. Why don't we take another quick break? If you would like to join us, our phone number is 617-770-3030. 617-770-3030. When we come back, we'll have a little trivia that has nothing to do with Ford or Le Mans or Barrett-Jackson. But it's interesting still. We'll be right back. WROL Boston. Don't you just hate the hassle of car buying? Make it easy by finding your financing first. Hi, I'm Kevin Chapman. As a member of the City of Boston Credit Union for over two decades, I know that they always put their members first with some of the most competitive car rates around. You can figure out what you want to spend before you even go shopping. Come visit the City of Boston Credit Union at cityofbostoncu.com and apply today. Or call 617-635-4545. City of Boston Credit Union. Uniquely Boston. Equal Opportunity Lender. With us on the phone is uh, Craig Jackson, 
Salem Media Group Boston, changing the spiritual climate of New England one listener at a time. My name is Mary Ann Miner, and I live down the Cape here in Orleans. I'm a great fan of WECE and WROL. You have some amazing Christian groups and churches, and I called to tell you how much I love the book that Pastor Bill Brace sent to me at no charge. And another beautiful thing happened this week. I called Joan Hunt, and they sent me a beautiful booklet on boundaries and that was great thank you again for your wonderful radio group you are so special to all of us so i thank you am 950 wrol the spirit of boston and 590 the word w-e-z-e and don't forget you can listen online anytime from cape cod to cape canaveral florida to cape town south africa we've got you covered worldwide on wezradio.com or wrolradio.com and thanks for listening do you dread the car buying experience? Would you like to save time, money, eliminate stress, and positively know you got the best deal possible? Welcome to the ultimate buyer experience from the professionals at the Car Consultancy. With over 20 years of car buying know-how, Ira and his team will create a great car buying experience for you by negotiating and handling all of the details from start to finish. For more information, go to thecarconsultancy.com or call 800 280-3517. That's 800-280-3517. Now, let's get back to the car doctor. And welcome back to the Car Doctor Program. Remember, you can watch a lot of the Barrett-Jackson auction on, I guess, Combination Velocity and their other main channel. But uh, they have they have the auction running. And like I asked uh, the boss there, um, you know what's what's the you know what's the deal with the uh, you know TV cameras come on, the prices seem to go up, and apparently, when you have more money than you know what to do with. You like to go up and show off, show off your friends, and buy a car, and yeah, yeah, that's uh, your little five minutes of fame on TV. So good for them. Our phone number six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty. Let's talk to George. Morning, George. Good morning, John Paul. Thanks for taking my call. Well, thanks for being uh, there, and thanks for being our long distance listener. Thank you. Um, my mother wants to buy a two thousand fourteen, you know, an off lease Corolla. Uh huh. And. I- I was wondering your opinion on the car, and I know it also has uh, different trim levels and options. And if you'd recommend any uh, a trim level or options on that car? No, I mean what's what's nice about the Corolla is it's just a solid little car. It's not it's not particularly exciting, but it's just a solid little car that runs well. And you can get it from sort of base interior with you know cloth seats to leather interior with navigation so it really depends on what you want in the car uh, i think it you know it, it, and what's nice about the later model corollas it's grown up in size a little bit if you compared uh, the latest corolla with an early uh like mid 90s camry they're almost the same size 
So you get a car that's fairly substantial feeling. It feels pretty solid. And at least if you compare the 2014 Corolla with, say, a 2014 Civic, I think the Corolla just feels more solid, um, feels just a little heavier feeling when you drive it, so you feel like you're surrounded by a little bit more car. I think the Civic may handle just a little bit better if you care about that. But I think it's just a good, dependable little car that doesn't require a lot of maintenance. You know, an oil change a couple times a year is about all you need to do with those cars. And, you know, do the regular service when it needs to be serviced. But pretty good car. So, um, you know, it's, it really depends on what you're looking for. I mean, you can get them, like I said, you can get them with the, everything in it or just a basic car. Either way. One thing I agree with you 100% is um, I actually saw one yesterday. You know, I went to the dealer, sat in the back seat, and you're absolutely right. My neighbor had a mid-90s Camry, and that's basically the size it is now. I was surprised with the interior room they have now. Yeah, they, they actually, they they turned out to be, as they grew up in size, they just turned out to be good, solid cars. And, you know, and I think, um, you know, the, what... What the uh, you know what they did with the cars I think is is good and gets pretty decent fuel economy. I was curious what you know Consumer Reports always has their opinion on used cars and you know just seeing seeing what they you know what they thought um, if they have one model they like better than others. Let's take a look here. Um, okay. You know, Consumer Reports always, always a good you know always a good place to look and see what they have. But uh, they let's see. Um, Toyota Corolla in 2014, which they highlight that year, uh, they like cars with the red, you know, when it's a red, complete red circle, that means it's one of their top picks. And they're all red, they're all perfect, with the exception of in car electronics, took one little shot for some reason, but. Um, you know, absolutely perfect, and only in that it's still way above average. So I think a 2014 Corolla, you can't go wrong with the car. I, I think no matter what one you bought, unless you just didn't, you know, for some reason didn't think the seats were comfortable or something. But I don't think you can go wrong with the car. Thank you so much for your advice okay. And opinion. All right, take care, George. Bye bye. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Our phone number six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty, and I think we have an easy trivia question today. But um, and same rules apply. If you haven't won trivia in a while, then you can play. If you're uh, if you're if you have if you're you know I don't know what a while is six months. If you haven't won in six months, you have you're eligible to win. And the question is, what was the Studebaker that was made out of fiberglass? What was the Studebaker that was made out of fiberglass? If you know the answer, give us a call at 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. That's how you get through and talk to us about trivia or anything that's on your mind. You can give us a call. So what was the Studebaker that was made out of fiberglass? Give us a call at 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. Well, an article from Automotive News says, that, uh, will the steering wheel survive the move to autonomous drive? And it, though, it says here, though taken for granted, the steering wheel uh, was uh, a transformative technology at the dawn of the age of the automobile. Well, they didn't really have steering wheels back then. Uh, as we enter the autonomous vehicle age, some wonder whether the steering wheel might suffer the same fate as the tiller, which disappeared from cars after um, 
guiding the first horseless carriages. Those steering wheel options are murky. Race driver uh, signaled in its uh, as he drove his panhead automatic automobile in 1894 in a race that. Uh, it was clumsy and nautically derived tiller's days were numbered. Today's steering wheel has evolved into a high-tech electronic device with numerous added functions, but its basic job is still the same, kind of pointed in the same direction. But they're talking about in some of these um, autonomous vehicles that the steering wheel actually fold up and slide into the dash and only pop out when you need it. So, interesting. Uh, so, um, Subaru, who, who uh, whose sales are always good here in New England, but they say to move ahead, Subaru s- seeks snappier styling. The last time I heard that expression was with Toyota years ago, and they wanted snappier interiors, and they put plaid in. Didn't translate that well. So Subaru's U.S. sales have been on fire for the past eight years, but vehicle styling has never been Subaru's calling card. That's about to change this year with the launch of the fifth-generation Impreza Compact. Subaru Global uh, Chief uh, and his team will introduce a design language that has been four years in the making. We're moving to the next step, aiming for a product that the customers will buy because of design, a design that has excitement and emotion, uh, one that is solid and dynamic. The overall, uh, the overhaul of the mark is, is a critical turning point in Subaru like never before. Design is a key in the niche car maker's strategy to remain small and competitive in an era where industry consolidation is a mammoth scale. We'll have to wait and see what happens. Uh, speaking of things, we got a call from uh, uh, one of our regular listeners last week that wanted to know what was going on with um, the Hyundai Equus. And is Hyundai going out of business. There doesn't seem to be any Hyundais around. The Equus seems to be being pulled from dealer showrooms. What's happening is the Equus apparently is going away as we know it and the premium version of Hyundai, so the Genesis and the Equus, well the Equus is going to be replaced with a new model, similar vehicle but a new name. And it's going to be under a brand called Genesis. So it won't be called a Hyundai anymore. It'll be called a Genesis. So I think that's a way to for, for Hyundai to move their premium models upscale like Acura did for Honda, like Lexus did for Toyota, like Infiniti did for Nissan. So they're looking at a way to do that. Uh, years ago, Mazda was going to do the same thing with the Millennia. There was... Uh, that was their premium car, and they were going to come up with this premium car line, and it never really worked. So we'll have to wait and see what how Hyundai does. Okay. Trivia. Like I said, I think it's easy. But let's, let's do it in order. Let's be fair. Let's go to line one to Kevin. Kevin? Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? Good, thank you. I think it's a Studebaker Avanti. Uh, you just didn't see. You, you're absolutely right, but yeah, I think you have to say it Avanti. Avanti. Yeah, I think you have to say it that way. You have to make it sound Italian. Of course, Avanti. Yeah. <laughs> but you were absolutely right. So uh, yeah, that was a car. That was an interesting car because it came out in the early '60s, and it was uh, had a lot of. It was basically uh, um, an interesting f- shape, and then it then it kind of disappeared. And it came back again with a GM driveline as the Avanti 2. 
and in fact, Glenn Gould, a friend of this program, his uh, family had a little Avanti 2 dealership out in Shirley, Mass. And now I understand someone is trying to resurrect Avanti again. So, uh, But it, it was a pretty neat car, and uh, occasionally you'll see him at car shows. Uh, the Endicott Estate Show um, coming up uh, in a couple weeks. I'm sure there'll be Avantis yeah. there. And the last time I was at the uh, Bass Pro Shops show, I stumbled across one there so always uh, interesting cars and fiberglass uh not and not a light car either it was I, I don't know how much of a sports car it was i never really drove one but interesting car so i'll tell you what stay right there and we will take down your name and address and we'll send you out a prize thank you very much all right thanks, thanks kevin enjoy your show thank you so unfortunately the other people just are not winners Unless Marita feels generous with her T-shirt supply. You want to do a runner-up? You want to do a runner-up? Where do you want to go? Just want to choose randomly? So, oh. So let's go to Boyd. Boyd? Okay, good morning. Good morning. So do you know the answer? Do you know the answer? Were you listening? Well, I had it. I know a guy who owns two Avantis. You do? Yeah. Yeah, what do you call What do you call a pair of Avantis? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, that's a good question. Yeah, yeah. It's, well, it's all yeah, I don't. Is it a is it a gaggle of Avantis? Yeah, you know. Huh? I don't. I don't know. But I'll tell you what, boy. Stay right there, and we'll send you a, uh, a WROL T-shirt. How's that? good. All right. Thanks, boy. All right. Take care. Bye, bye. So Marita will take care of them, and so we have a winner and a runner-up, and the winner will get. I don't know. Get something. You'll get something nice. You might even get a AAA membership. Yeah, so not bad. So Marita will take care of that. And uh, if you have a question about your car, our phone number is 617-770-3030. 617-770-3030. Hyundai to launch an electric vehicle with a 200-mile-an-hour range in 2018. Uh, at least that's what they're saying. Hyundai Motor Company plans to launch an electric vehicle with a driving range of about 200 miles Per charge in 2018, that's nearly double the 112 miles that will be offered by the electric version of the Hyundai Iconic sedan, which will debut this year. Hyundai and affiliate Kia Motors uh, plans to double their number of their environmentally friendly vehicles to 28 by 2020. The automaker said in a statement, the goal is up from the previous plan of 26. Well, the Kia Soul, which is their little wagon, again, one of the few little wagons you can buy, uh, has an electric vehicle model. And the uh, the Kia Soul is, it has a 100-plus mile range. It's a great, it's a great car. Um, it does have a level 3 charging capability, so you can, you can charge it off a fast charger. But it is a little bit limited because if you're just charging at home... Well, you can't really do that. You're you're a little stuck at that point. So you're um, going to be charging at 110 volts. And the one that I drove took 18 hours to recharge at that, at that, uh, at that electrical capacity, I guess would be a good way to say it. So is there a Skoda dealer vehicle coming to a dealership near you? Well, I don't know. Once a byword for communist-era shoddy workmanship, Skoda is considering leaping into the U.S. market. A spokesman for the Czech value brand, part of the Volkswagen Group, is examining the potential of markets where it is not yet present. This includes North America, a spokesman told 
Automotive News Europe, Skoda has filed several trademarks in the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. Media reports this month said the brand has filed to protect in its U.S. Uh, the names of the Superb Sedan, Octavia Sedan, and Yeti small SUV. Skoda has thrived during VW Group's 25 years of ownership. Its cars, based on the Volkswagen Group's technology, have won praise for high build quality and functionality. In the past, our focus was on the European market. Our path was growth was to China. Now we're discussing the next step of the brand, according to the spokesman. So interesting to see. It just doesn't jump out at me as a uh, as a as a quality brand. But I suppose it's made by Volkswagen. So we'll have to wait and see. This is kind of an interesting story. This is a Jaguar Land Rover finally makes a move against a Chinese copycat. Despite uh, widespread and often blatant copying of vehicle designs in China, global automakers don't take legal action in the country because they feel the odds of winning against local firms are so low. Also, a lawsuit can be bad for the brand if the Chinese public feels the foreign company is bullying domestic competitors. But Reuters reports that Jaguar Land Rover is suing a Chinese automaker in a Beijing court alleging that the Land Wind... Land Wind... X7 SUV copies the design of the Range Rover Evoque. Almost exactly, by the way, according to the picture. Uh, uh, Jaguar Land Rover was critical when the Land Wind was unveiled in November of 2014, but stopped short of litigation. The X7 and the Evoque have a similar shape with the roof and windows tapering from front to back. Nearly identical uh, taillights and headlights look pretty similar, too. The slight difference between the cars can be virtually eliminated using uh, widely available kits to allow the Range Rover grille logo and Land Rover badges to be put on an X7. So they're so close that if you order the Land Rover badges and grille, it looks like a Land Rover. Hmm... And the X7 costs about a third the price of an Evoke. So that's sort of an interesting little story there. And I was in I was in uh, Detroit at the Detroit Auto Show, and they had uh, three Chinese cars there. And one of them looked an awful lot like a BMW X1, so pretty interesting. Uh, why don't we take a call? Let's go over to line one. Let's talk to Sal. Sal, is that you? Yes, it is. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> Find me for coffee. Sure. Listen, that, that gives me an idea. If you could change the badges on a, on a Tahoe, you'd have an Escalade. I you guess. could. You could. And that's not the first time that's probably ever been done. So, Yeah, I would imagine it's not. Yeah. I understand you guys are talking about the Avante. Yeah. I had owned one for a number of years. Uh, actually, I had. I should qualify that. I owned an Avante too. Oh, okay. Which uh, was the first resurrection of the brand, if you will. Yeah. Uh, did you and, Did uh, you buy it new or did you buy it used? I bought it brand new, uh, brand new. Where'd you buy it? I bought it at Main Street Ford in uh, in Waltham. Yeah, that was that was another guy who the, there was him and there was a guy up in Saugus that always seemed to have that one extra brand for sale. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, because exactly. yeah. yeah, Main Street Main Street Ford had them, and I can't remember the guy up on Route One, but he had you know when it was. Uh, when when the, he had the Sterlings and he yeah a bunch of a bunch of things how how'd you like it when you had it oh I loved it yeah I loved it. but the, the the resurrection the the Avante two is which I, what I had that had a, a Chevrolet uh, yeah Corvette engine. Corvette engine it right yeah 
engine and transmission yeah. was made, actually still made in South Bend, Indiana. Right, right. And from what I understand, the, there's somebody who bought, like, all the parts and molds and says they're going to try to build another one. Oh, that'd be wonderful. Yeah. That was a great car. Yeah. Great car. Yeah, I, I saw... Fact, I'll give you a... Go ahead, I'm sorry, sir. Go, no, go ahead. I'll give you a little bit of a funny story to it. I really was not looking for an Avante, and uh, a friend of mine let me know that this car was there at the time. This was 1980... I believe it was 82 or 83. Okay. And the car was the exact same color. The guy that had ordered it ordered the exact same color as James Bond's Aston Martin. Really? Yeah, yeah. He specced the thing out that way. And it had Recaro seats and so on and mm-hmm. so forth. But the funny story, well, I guess it wasn't funny to him. There was an attorney that had ordered it, and he waited like three months for delivery of the car. And uh, when he got delivery of the car, I guess his wife handed him divorce papers, and he could no longer afford the automobile. So, <laughs> so uh, when I got it, it had like 110 miles on it. He had to bring it back to the dealership. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. The only thing, the only thing I would do is yeah, yeah keep it away from his ex-wife because you know he. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah really. <laughs> <laughs> no, they they were good, and like I said, there was a there was a, a a friend of the show here, Glenn Gould. His family owns the Wells Auto Museum up in Wells, Maine. But his father, oh, yeah. his father for a while owned a little Avanti two dealership over in over in Shirley, Mass. Um, and they used to, you know, they had they had you know probably. I think they had two or three cars that were always for sale and a limited amount of parts. And, and I'm willing to bet he still has some parts kicking around because Glenn, Glenn has a lot of stuff. So, uh, But, yeah, they have uh, at the Wells Auto Museum, I think there's at least one or two Avanti 2s up there and maybe an Avanti 1, too. So, yeah, they, yeah, they, were, they were pretty neat cars. Oh, it's a wonderful car. Yeah. It's a sexy, yeah. sexy little automobile. Oh, abs- absolutely. And a, and a real solid, heavy-feeling car to drive, right? Yes, it was. Yep. Yes, it was. Uh, I kind of uh, had feeling my oats one night. I opened it up on, up on uh, a stretch of Route 1 that you could do it on. And uh, I actually scared myself. I mean, I didn't know the automobile would go that fast, <laughs> but it did. It did. Well, Sal, thanks for the great story. Well, you are very welcome. You guys have a great day. All right, you too. Bye-bye now. Thanks. Bye-bye now. 617-770-3030, is how you get through and talk to us about your car, your car problems, whatever's on your mind. You can give us a call. We still have some time left. Why don't we take a break? If you'd like to call us again, the phone number is 
WROLBoston. Sullivan Tire is proud to be New England's Michelin Tire headquarters. Michelin Tires are known for their great tread design, durability, and handling. Stop into your local Sullivan Tire and Auto Service today and check out our new lower pricing on such tires as the Michelin Premier AS, the Michelin Premier LTX, and so much more. Remember, we'll keep your car running right all season long. Stop in for our thorough factory-scheduled maintenance check. Our ASC certified technicians will check out your battery and charging system, radiator and antifreeze, inspect your tires and air pressure, brakes, all system fluids, steering and suspension, belts, hoses, the exhaust system, exterior lights, wiper blades, and more. Head to any of our 68 locations to save big on a great selection of Michelin tires and check out the best auto maintenance in the industry. Call 877-592-TIRE or visit SullivanTire.com. Peace of mind driving. You deserve it. We provide it. Honda Cars of Boston is Greater Boston's neighborhood Honda dealer with over 800 new Hondas available to choose from. Just five minutes from Boston on Route 99 in Everett, our beautiful new showroom makes your Honda Cars of Boston experience even better. Visit online at hondacarsofboston.com and see all of our tremendous purchase, lease, finance, and certified pre-owned specials. Honda Cars of Boston on Route 99 in Everett is the place for great buys from the Honda guys. Give them a call at 1-800-65-HONDA. You're listening to The Car Doctor. Back to the Car Doctor program on AM 950 WROL, the Spirit of Boston. Congratulations to our two winners, uh, Kevin, one of my neighbors. Well, thanks, Kevin. Thanks for listening. Um, something interesting going on in Paris. Apparently, they want to ban vehicles there on the weekends, but Paris Classics could become weekend-only drivers. Starting next month, it will be illegal to drive through the streets of Paris on weekdays in cars built before 1997. A legislative move on part of the city authorizes uh, the authorities to improve air quality, but uh, apparently they have changed their ruling a little. So you can't drive in the city with a car made before 1997 unless it's made way, way before 1997. So some of the uh, some of the little French cars, the dos chevaux, the two CVs, um, those are cars that are kind of iconic to Paris, those you'll still be able to drive. But if you drive a uh, 1996 Peugeot, yeah, probably not. So uh, so it looks like, and you know, there's been talk about, you know, that's that's how you clean up the air as you ban cars from coming to the city and force people to take public transportation. I don't know about that. So if you, so did you, you give, uh, did you give Tesla a, a, uh, thousand dollar deposit for a model three well if you did and you're one of the four hundred thousand people who did that no free charging for you 
at the Tesla Superstations, if you drive a Model S, you can charge for free. But if you drive the Model 3, you need to pay up. Uh, the superchargers are free to uh, owners of the current models. But Elon Musk said last week, free supercharging fundamentally has a cost. The obvious thing to do is decouple that from the cost of the Model 3. So it will be very cheap. And uh, it'll be far cheaper than gasoline to drive a, a long distance with the Model 3. But it will not be free, long distance for life, unless you purchase that package. Uh, Musk said he did not say what the package will cost consumers. Uh, Tesla's supercharger stations, typically located in malls and on highways, three major cities aim to ease the range anxiety that uh, enable long distance, even coast-to-coast driving the Tesla all-electric cars uh, use of any of the 634 superchargers in the world is free for customers of the Model S and Model X. Our phone number is 617-770-3030. Let's talk to Bob on line one. Bob. Morning, John Paul. Good I'm morning. interested on the Avantis. I was interested in buying one, and I was told that the uh, frames on them, are, a lot of them are rotted out. You've got to be very careful when you're buying Avanti there, and that they oil inject the frames, a trough or something. They well, yeah, uh, you know, a lot of, you know, the, the, early, the early ones, especially the ones from the early 60s, I looked at one that was for sale, and... It was a car that, you know, typical typical 30-footer. It looked good from 30 feet away. And right. I went and looked at it. And, I, and I, was, I had no interest in buying it. And I went and looked at it. And you could look underneath. And it was, it was a little rusty looking. So, yeah, a lot of, you know, what, you know, it wasn't that many years ago that that was, you know, part of a good lube oil filter was take that waste oil and spray it all in the frame to keep the frame from rusting away. So, um, but no, there, but there are actually replacement frames for those cars. So, you know, you can actually, you know, you can actually get a new frame for one. Yeah, the, uh, I heard the production numbers are very low on some of those years there, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. 127. Yeah, there, there's a, um, there's an article in an older, ver- older issue, let's see, oh, it's not that old, May 2016, uh, Hemmings Classic Cars, and it's about a 63 Avanti R2 that, um, it was apparently one of the few that came off the assembly line that year, but the the guy who owned it sort of lost it, got it back again. But it goes through the full restoration of the car, and it said, uh, in this particular one, it says, though the chaps, chassis exhibited some surface corrosion beneath the fiberglass body, it was largely solid and intact with the extra strength uh, center X-brace. Uh, the Studebaker lock convertible chassis proved to be an ideal platform for the Avanti, but it didn't. This one, this particular one, looks. You know, I don't know where it was, but uh, it was. You know, it looks rusty like a five-year-old car would look rusty as far as the frame goes. But yeah, some of those you really have to watch out for. That that rust worm can affect a lot of cars. So. Yeah, the seventy-two. I think had the four hundred. Chevy engine. And, yeah, some uh, yeah, some like like Sal said, the one he bought had the Corvette driveline, and that was some of the uh, you know GM driveline that was in some of those cars. So the Avanti two, which is the later one with the square square uh, headlights. Um, yeah, you know all you know we're talking cars that are you know forty fifty years old. So um, you know rust can rust can be a problem with anything. When when did the Avanti two come out? <sighs> I want to say it came out in seventy ish, maybe. Yeah. yeah, yeah, came out for a few years, and like I said, from what I understand, they are uh, the uh, there's a guy out there still trying to bring them back again. I'm wondering if any of them were standards. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I I I know there was I know there was some at least. So I uh, you know probably not a, probably you know probably the early ones more than the later ones, but uh, but When's it's the last year of production on the Avabi. Uh, let's uh, let's see let's see what we let's see what we know about the, let's see uh, let's see what we can learn let's see what the internet can tell us if anything let's see let's see what right. let's see what Wikipedia knows here let's see uh, the uh, it says it was relaunched uh, let's see in nineteen in nineteen eighty seven. Production was wow. moved to Ohio. The company had a second generation of Auntie styling, um, and that was in. Then there was a, there was some time before that. It popped up again in two thousands. But I think the one that you know most everybody knows about is um, it says here after Studebaker ended production in South Bend, the Avanti model name. Uh, tooling, Studebaker truck production rights and parts and plant space were bought by local Studebaker dealers. And um, it said Studebaker reintroduced reintroduce the Avanti to Studebaker showrooms in 66, 67, along with the uh, ideas of rebadging some other vehicles. Uh, it used, um, it says the Altman brothers introduced a slightly modified version in 65 under the brand name Avanti 2. So that was way back then. I didn't know it was even that far back. It used a Chevrolet engine that evolved to the 400, then the small block 350. Uh, then even in, there was a 305 in 81. So there wasn't a lot. Of, I can't imagine there was a lot of cars made. And it said even here, the last Avanti that came off the line had a V6 engine from Roush, and it was the only one that was made. The Avanti 2s and their successors were built on a Studebaker design chassis from, it says here, from 63 to 87. I can't imagine there was a lot of them made in 87, but... Wow. Yeah. Now, they're all four-passenger, right? Uh, they they actually had... They they had a little, a little back seat, as I recall, but there was actually a four-door sedan Avanti that was made that uh, is ugly as can be. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, check out check out the let the let the interweb figure it out for you. But yeah, there's a whole page dedicated to Avantis. And some of them with some of them Ford drivetrain. It says here there was a V6 with Roush, so that had to be a Ford drivetrain. Ford. But yeah, most of most of them were either the Studebaker engines of the early '60s, which seemed an an awful lot like a GM engine to me. It looked like a Buick engine, but and then the later ones were the small block Chevys. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. All right, take care now. Bye bye. Over the line two. Let's talk to Rick. Rick. Hey there. Hey there. Ah, you know, I I was waiting for the call. Yeah. uh, Well, just say this. I I almost forgot. I I was walking by and I spoke to the local sheriff and just thanking them for keeping the place down to a dull roar up here. (laughs) And you know, I I said I only heard about two deaths and he didn't say that I was wrong. So. I guess it's been a reasonably quiet, safe year up here. Well, it's, it's. I hope. I hope it is. I know there's a lot. I know there's an awful lot going on up there. Uh, but do they still race motorcycles up there anymore? Um, no, not the racing. They have to do hill climbs, and I uh, understand one of the guys doing a hill climb had a very serious accident, and his hill climbing days, uh, I understand, are over for good. Yeah. And, uh, um, yeah. No, but I, I remember the you know whole point of you know, the whole point of Laconia was the uh, the the Camel Classic, the motorcycle race, and yeah. you know I think that barely exists anymore. No, uh, 
I don't think it does that anymore either, Nat. Yeah, but, I know uh, a couple of years ago I saw a photo of somebody took a picture of the race going on and the stands looked empty. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but now it's turned into uh, Laconia Laconia Week, and I I think there's a nonstop uh, musical entertainment pretty much for the entire weekend too, right? Yeah, they've got several places putting on music in it and um, different rides. In fact, uh, where I'm working out of, uh, they they're going to have a recovery ride. So, hmm. you know, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's uh, it's good, you know. Try to try to keep everybody control, you know, uh, you know, in control up there, and uh, and spread the good word. Okay, have a good one, John. All right, take care, Rick. Bye bye. Let's go to line three to John. John. Yes, hi, John. How are you? Yes, uh, I wanted to uh, call because I heard you mention about Elon Musk and his Model Three. Oh yeah charging the uh, customers. Well, I think it's a bad business model because I think all customers in your company should be treated the same. Now, let's say, for example, you had uh, John Paul, the suit company, made business suits, and they mm-hmm. had $1,000 suits, free cleaning. Then you figure, well, come out with suits, $500 suits, free cleaning. Then you come out with a $100 suit, thinking you'll get more people. Oh, no, they got to pay for the cleaning. Mm. I, I don't I don't get that. you got to treat all... I wish you could get them on the show if you can't afford to offer free cleaning for the hundred dollar suits, then jack up the price. Instead yeah, of yeah, it's model three. You make it a forty thousand dollar car now. Yeah, so it's kind of it's kind of interesting the way they're the way they're sort of looking at it because it is a um, it it is uh, an interesting way to try to figure it out. You know, you charge a little less. You know, is the is the charging discounted that much? Um, I still kind of question. I, I mean, they got four hundred thousand people that gave them a thousand dollars each to buy a car yet, yeah. that, yeah, that doesn't exist. That I think if you're number three thousand nine hundred ninety nine, you're probably going to get that car in two thousand twenty two. Well, that's going to ruin the company if you don't uh, stay on schedule, right? If uh, you know you can't because uh, they've had production. They issues before they and they come out with the car, but it took time. Oh yeah, but you if know, he it, didn't get that car. He's going to start having to give that thousand dollars back. I think. Yeah, I mean, it's too. a fully refundable deposit. So I guess if you decide at some point that you don't want the car, uh, but there are also people that uh, bought, you know, got in early that were already tesla owners and i know for a fact that some of them their whole plan is when the car starts to come to production they plan on either selling the number or selling the car when they get it so and it's more profitable to sell the number than it is to sell the car oh yeah you see yeah. them on ebay yeah, yeah. evfinder.com you yeah those turn up but i think it's a very bad business model to do that to the model three customers because you want to have your customers part of that tesla you know, Aurora. That you yeah, you would you would think they want to be all part of that all part of that I'm a family. Owner, yeah, and I yeah. free charging with my Model Three, but I love. I wish you could get him on the show. I sent him a handwritten letter last year, and of a talk show host in Boston who wanted to have him on, but. I didn't get anything back. I didn't hear anything from yeah. him much. I thought somebody would get back to me. Yeah, I, I, I've, uh, I know that they had a PR agency. They were doing. They did some PR with their when they opened their new dealerships up around this way, and I tried to get someone from Tesla, not Elon, but anybody, and uh, everybody seemed like they were in another country. Yeah, oh, the spokes, the spokesperson's in Australia. Somebody else is in I don't know Siberia. I don't know. Everybody seemed to be someplace other than here to talk about their car, which I thought was kind of funny. But I guess I you know same thing. There's. Uh, 
there's I don't think there's a Tesla in a in a press fleet anywhere within the country. Well, because uh, that would be free advertisement. If he went around to all the talk shows, he'd be reaching a lot of people. Yeah. Because there are adults that have never even heard of Tesla. Yeah, no, it, it's college kind of, educated ones too. They've yeah. never heard of it. You know, yeah, it's college, you know, I I have up until a month ago, I had never even driven in a Tesla four-door sedan and my boss has one and one day he finally came over to me and said you want to go for a ride in a real car yeah it is. yeah and we you know went for a ride in it but that that's the only one i've ever been in and again it's one of those things that uh well, i you could it, go to Dedham and the dealership oh yeah oh the, the deal the dealership like yeah, yeah dealership definitely will but you would think um and this is not the same example but remember when the smart car first came out the little tiny smart car yeah um I remember talking to the PR people from the smart car and said, you know, you really should consider putting a smart car in the press fleet of cars. There's a small fleet of cars that operate in New England that people who write about cars test drive. And the guy said to me, we don't need your help. Well, smart car just about went out of business because they didn't need the press's help. So, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm not saying I'm not saying Tesla's going to go out of business, well, Herb but Chambers has smart cars. Very nice. He, he does. Yeah, now yeah. that yeah, and he's uh, and and he actually he was he when he was on the show, I asked him about it and and he uh there was kind of a funny story that went along with that. But yeah, it was but no, he no, uh smart car, the smart car is uh, you know, if you're looking for a small car, but now they put smart cars in the press fleet. Uh, but back when they first came out, they said, oh, no, we have all these people putting $99 deposits down. We don't need your help for any of that. And, in fact, they really did. It's interesting how Tesla has so many customers, and they never advertise on television or radio at all. Yeah, but they the other thing is they also don't tell you how many cars they sold. Oh, oh that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah they, keep their sales, they keep their sales numbers uh, kind of quiet. The other thing that's sort of interesting, you know, years ago when Tesla first started and Fisker first started... I remember having a conversation with someone saying something like, I think when we look back historically, Tesla will be a lot like, uh, and Tesla and Fisco will be a lot like Tucker. You know, it's a car company that sort of appeared. They had a good time. They built an interesting different car. You know, they made whatever, 100 of them or something. And then they just quiet. Then they just went out. They disappeared. And I guess I wasn't right about Tesla, but I was right about Fisker. Oh, Fisker, yeah, Fisker was yeah. bought over by Chinese. Yeah. 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 In fact, um, the, the whatever his first name is, Fisker, uh, uh, is actually popping up here and there now with uh, uh, some, inter- you know, some abilities to interview him here and there. But that is not the case with Elon Musk and I and, and people tell me Elon Musk is not the not the easiest person to talk to. So well, I try to write him a handwritten yeah. letter, nothing yeah. back. Yeah, nothing. yeah. Uh, well, I'm wondering if uh, some word can get out that he can rethink this business model, free free charging for all Tesla customers or none at all. You don't do it for any of them. Yeah, treat all the customers yeah. the same. No, I I I, I kind of go along with you. I like the idea of being treated the same. Hey, I was wondering if you could do a report on the rarest 2016. EV car there is the Mitsubishi Meve. It's a new car. Yep, yep. It's available, and you almost never see them on the roads at all. I only seen one last year in Vermont. That's yeah, yeah. I, I see one in downtown Boston every once in a while, and I think I've I think I've only seen two. In fact, I've seen more BMW i3s than I've seen the yeah. Mitsubishi. Can you do a test report? Ask Mitsubishi if they'll let you. Uh, uh, I one? there there was one kicking around. I'll have to see. I'll have to see whether I can get my hands on you it. Buy one just for a collector's item because a 2016 car is so rare. 
Yeah. Don't see them. Yeah, well, it's, it's new and it's available, yeah. and you just don't see them at all on the street. Yeah. Well, that's what they said about Edsel too. So you know. Well, that's what I've seen on the street. Yeah, I yeah, I know. Yeah, there's not a lot of those, but you're right. <laughs> hey, we got to get going. All right, thanks a lot. All right, take care. Bye-bye now. Hey, there's Paul Sullivan sitting over there just hanging around. Once I finally got over here. Once you got over there, you had a yeah. the process. Yeah, well, you know, I, I, I have... I have. Good thing Marita's not periscope. I, right. Yeah, well, I have happy and sad news, though. All right, what's this? Oh, go ahead. What's well, the happy news? The happy news is... Um, Marita's not going to have to work Saturdays anymore. What's the sad news? Marita's not, Marita's not going to be here on Saturdays anymore. Why? Because she's going to work Monday through Friday. Is that a promotion? Oh, <laughs> what happened sorry, to my mic? my bike on. <laughs> yeah, you ever been in a radio I'm station sorry. before? Yeah. Microphone dysfunction. Yeah. Ever been in a studio before? A radio no. studio? No. <laughs> no Marita's getting a, a promotion? Well... Who's going to load We're, my spot? It, Karen? Karen? Karen's here. Karen's here. Karen's here. Karen's going to do a good yeah. job. She understands that we love Marita. Yeah, we do. We'll we do. have to learn to love her the same way. <laughs> <laughs> you know Karen's that, right? great. She'll be, you'll be in good hands. Yeah. I yeah, know it's, that. It's all good. What's but, wrong with this microphone? I don't know. I don't know. Didn't, didn't you ever learn, don't touch a hot mic? Yeah, then they teach you that in you broadcast that school. Sound yeah, that I can't hear in my yeah. headphones, but yeah. everyone else can hear. Yeah, it. didn't you hear? That? Didn't they ever teach you that in broadcast in school? Hey, you know that movie Tucker? Yes, had my favorite actor in it. Who's that? Lloyd Bridges. Really? Yeah, Lloyd Bridges was in that. Yeah, he was the he was the uh, the mean senator that was. In oh, his, okay. He was actually his yeah. son was the was Tucker, right? Yeah. I think uh, I think that movie I think that movie Tucker was the last movie I saw at the movies. Really? Yeah, in like 1971. Yeah, that, exactly. <laughs> it was a good time. movie. I liked it. It was a, it was yeah. a good movie and it was was it, it, was it factual? That's the question I have. Uh, well, uh, just, I think they stretched some. They, yeah, they stretched the truth here and there, but it, as far as the car itself and what the car was capable of was <laughs> Was pretty was uh, I think pretty factual. It was it was it was an interesting car, and uh, it had a lot of safety technology that were actually just you know that we still see in cars today, including it had that third headlight, that Cyclops type headlight that today's headlights in some cars actually do swivel slightly so you can get more light going around corners. So <laughs> they were actually, you know, they actually kind of had the idea. And uh, also they had a, a built-in something that cars today could use. They had a built-in jack that you would just push a button and it would it would pick the car up. So Was, it, yeah. was that the car that had the first seat belts too? It uh, might have not had the first seat belts, but it did have seat belts and that was very unusual for that Standard time. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, Volvo may have been the car company that had the first seat belts back when I think, yeah, I think were, that was one of your when trivia they were, questions. When they were made out of rope. Right. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. How many Tuckers did they make? I only think they made like 52. Have you ever seen one? Uh, twice. In person? Twice, yeah. You've been in one? Uh, never. Okay. But how much, if you had one, talk about auctions, and Mr. Jackson that you had on yeah. there, how much would it would one sell for? Millions. Yeah. Millions, yeah. So, But they never come up. They very seldomly because such short supply, and I think the people that have them, they trade within themselves almost right. because it's yeah, like a yeah. cult. Or yeah, or yeah, cult's sack. a good word. Cult's sack. a good word. Yeah. Hey, hey, that, the piano the guys playing. Piano guys What's back. His name we, anyway. Uh, what do we call? What do we call him last week? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Dick Ivory. I don't know. <laughs> Ivory. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, that's I'm like sure, that. Yeah. Yeah. Sure yeah. Memory problems. Yeah. That's right. I think we did. <laughs> anyway, wait, wait, uh, is today Marita's last? Next week. Next week. Next right. week. We'll Next have week. to get yeah. a cake somewhere. Something. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah. 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 I'll or forget, you know, because I have 
for short term memory. Yeah, Niedermeister, something like that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, the very best in Irish music coming up with Paul Sullivan in the happy, Irish Hit Parade. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to You're everyone. The father of the automotive industry. Uh, or something quite, like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> happy Father's Day to everyone, and stay tuned for the very best in Irish music with Paul Sullivan in the Irish Hit Parade. Till next week, make sure you wear your seatbelt, drive safely, and be good to your car. Talk to you all next week. Bye-bye.